0: And I'm going to take us back to the rules that we were speaking about beforehand. And rule number six uh, is one of my favorite ones and that is take risks. Content risks. Not risks with your own personal safety but risks with your content. Be willing to experiment. Try anything once. One of the loveliest examples of this I heard was a few years ago uh, one of my journalists went to a scene, and it was a very quiet scene. There had been a horrific family murder uh, at this scene the night before. Um, And we had all of the facts, but we wanted an extra element to our coverage. And so the journalist was sitting outside and said, there's nothing There's nothing happening here, but tell you what, I'll give you a story on that. And the journalist, it sounds crazy, but the journalist started the piece off with the sound of a dog barking and says, only the neighbor's dog would have witnessed what happened here last night. Now, that is Making lemonade out of lemons. That is the kind of thing that I'm talking about when I say take risks. Experiment. Play with the sound that you gather. That sound that you have hunted down because you've gone to a story with a plan in mind to find the right uh, elements for the story that you want to tell. Make sure that you are playing with that sound and including it in new and different and surprising ways. Play into the surprising nature of radio news. Number two, don't be afraid of silence. It's something again that we here are very, very loath to do and that is allow a pause. Oh, it's dead air, we've got to fill it, we've got to fill it, don't don't do that. No, sometimes a pause can be the most effective tool in underlining a point. So don't be afraid of using it. Surprise people to lead them into your story. The neighbor's dog. Give them something they weren't expecting. What are we expecting in radio news all the time? Three people were killed here last night in a family murder. No, That's not what we want. Surprise them. Test things out. If they don't work, you can leave them out. In the beginning, as you develop a feel for what works and what doesn't, it may take longer than you expect. But soon enough, you're going to develop a sense of how you can put together really creative stories, and you're going to experiment more and more. And it will be hit and miss. We are humans. We make mistakes. We think things will work. And either our editor will chuck it out before uh, it even goes to air, or we might get backlash once it's on air. But we have to try sometimes, because otherwise we end up with those chairs, those boring, boring, repeatable chairs. Play with format, tone, pace, and style. Again, this is something that we don't do a lot of in radio news in South Africa. The tone and pace that I would use to report on a funeral is far different to the tone and phrasing and pace that I would use to report on a music concert. If it's a funeral, the pace slows down. The tone is respectful. The words are are carefully chosen to, be, to, to convey the gravitas of the situation. But with a music concert, have fun. Use words that you wouldn't use when reporting on serious news stories. Play a little, allow yourselves to play a little. Your audience will thank you for it. Be willing to look or sound silly. And I've got an example of this. Do any of you know Jeannie Moose from CNN? She is the epitome of this to me. She is willing to look and sound silly all the time, and it works so well. This is actually from a TV piece. I've stripped out the audio. I've stripped, yeah, I've stripped out the audio so that we only hear that, so that you can hear how it actually can work on radio as well, because this piece works as well on radio. Uh, but just listen to how she's willing to be silly.
1: When National Security Advisor John Bolton sat there and heard President Trump call him Mike Bolton maybe John felt like Michael Mm -hmm. I could hardly believe Mm it when I heard the news even if the president did correct his mistake immediately Mike Bolton, John Bolton is here it's happened too many times there was the New York Times article that said sometimes with AIDS the president refers to him as Mike Bolton and then there was the time the president sent Bolton on a mission. Mike Bolton, as you know, is in Russia. Discussing nuclear issues, no less. Not bad for a love song crooner. I to live the president lives without John Bolton. Crossing into North Korea and meeting Kim Jong Un while Bolton was off on a diplomatic mission to Mongolia. Read one tweet. How many times can Trump call John Bolton Mike Bolton before he quits? But don't take it personally, Mike. John, whatever. The president was trying to honor Apple CEO Tim Cook when he said... We appreciate it very much, Tim Apple. And he meant no disrespect. Mr. President, Marilyn Houston, Lockheed Martin. When he called this CEO... Marilyn Lockheed. And even when he talks about not making mistakes... So we don't make mistakes. Go ahead, Ken. Um, Chuck Canterbury. Come again? Go ahead, Ken. Um, Chuck Canterbury. The president even misspelled his wife Melania's name in a welcome home tweet. So don't let Mike get you down, John. There was one occasion when Michael Bolton sang things that John Bolton said. The late show had Michael perform alarming John Bolton quotes to make them seem less scary. But a strike can still succeed. Maybe that's what confused the president. Michael wearing John's mustache. My walrus mustache. Can- Genie Mose, CNN, New York.
0: So this is what I mean when I say take risks, play. I love that example. In fact, by the way, it's from two days ago. So this is stuff that's happening now. But it's a wonderful example of what you can achieve if you put your ego aside and you play. And as the audience, we come along with you. You cannot do this for every story, of course. There are only certain stories that we can really experiment with. But when you see them, they are an absolute gift. So embrace them when you find them. Now, here's an exercise that I want us to do. I'm going to give you a story. It is a gift story that you can play with. And if you have a pen and paper or a cell phone, read through the story quickly and write me what you think would be the killer top line. Decide what your genre is and play with that top line for radio news. Remember that this is wire copy. It's what we're all faced with every day. It would never work on radio but see if you can come up with a killer top line for this. I'm going to give you three minutes. Can everyone read it, by the way? Would anyone like me to read it out? Would it be better? Okay, I'm going to read out... (laughs)
2: Oh, you know the story.
0: Okay, so Nigerian billionaire Aliko Dangote, known as Africa's richest man, told a forum in Ivory Coast on Saturday how he, took, how he once took $10 million in cash out of the bank just to look at it and get it into his head that this was real money, not just figures on paper. By the way, you can see why it doesn't work on radio news. I'm out of breath already. When you're young, your first million is important, but after the numbers don't mean much, said Dangote, a manufacturing tycoon with a range of companies spanning cement to flour. One day I cashed 10 10 million, I put them in the boot of my car, and I put them in my room. I looked at them and thought, how I believe I have money. No, sorry, now I believe I have money, and I took it back back to the bank the next day, he told his audience. That's pretty much all you need to know. Who's got an idea for a top line? Anyone? 1 million, 10 million, now we're talking real numbers. There we go. <laughs> Seeing is believing. That's the case for one Nigerian billionaire tycoon. Something like that. Ask a question. Who would take ten million dollars out of the bank just to look at it? The answer is X, Y, and Z. Anyone else have an idea of how we could tra- tackle this? No? Go for it. What real,
1: money looks like?
2: what real money looks like?
0: Very nice. So we don't want to stray too far into the cliché zone, but there are fun ways to deal with stories like this. The saddest treatment for a story like this would be a Nigerian billionaire has told a gathering of, uh, I think, uh, oh, has told a gathering at the Mo Ibrahim Forum in Abidjan that that would be really, really sad or if we focus on some of the comments he makes later down about advising young African entrepreneurs not to get carried away by the first flash of success. It's valuable news, it's important. But if you're going to catch your audience, you've gotta start with the craziness of printing out $10 million, or drawing out $10 million just to look at it. Okay, we've gone through question time already, Uh, so I'm gonna move on to rule number seven check your facts. It's a basic rule of journalism. But I'm going to play you something that scared the life out of me the first time that I saw it. Um, It's from BuzzFeed and it gives us a glimpse into the reality of what's coming in the next 10 years when it comes to misinformation and disinformation.
3: We're entering an era in which our enemies can make it look like anyone is saying anything at any point in time, even if they would never say those things. So uh, for instance, they could have me say things like, uh, I don't know, uh, Killmonger was right, or uh, Ben Carson is in the sunken place, or how about this, simply, President Trump is a total and complete dipshit. Now you see, I would never say these things. At least not in a public address, but someone else would. Someone like Jordan Peel. This is a dangerous time. Moving forward, we need to be more vigilant with what we trust from the Internet. That's a time when we need to rely on trusted news sources. It may sound basic, but how we move forward in the age of information is Going to be the difference between whether we survive or whether we become some kind of fucked up dystopia. Thank you. And stay woke, bitches. <laughs> so, obviously,
0: um, this was, yeah, BuzzFeed, a journalist called jo- Jordan Peele, who's showing you just how easy it is to create something called a deep fake. And this is using AI to map facial expressions and synthesize voices. And some of them are becoming almost unrecognizable from the real thing. And it's really scary. And so as journalists, we need to be aware of this problem, and we need always to fight it. I'll give you another example. Well, I'll give you an example. In 2008, uh, while I was the afternoon desk editor and news anchor, on 702, we killed off the Zambian president, Levi Mwanuasa. How? Because we got a call in the morning during a period of frenzied speculation around his health. We got a call from someone saying, I'm from the Zambian High Commission in Pretoria. Here's my name, here's my position. I can confirm that the Zambian president has died. The journalist looked at the editor on duty, and they went, oh, great. We've got confirmation from the High Commission. We must run with this, guys. So they phoned him back on the number that he gave them, and they said, can we please have a soundbite? Will you go on record? He said, yes. So they recorded the soundbite. They wrote up the story based on the soundbite. They put it on air. And within five minutes, we were being quoted on Reuters and CNN and BBC. And then the trouble started. Then we started seeing other reports of the Zambian government denying that the president had died. And then we saw more and more and more of these reports. And only then did we work out that the person who had called us from the Zambian embassy, the Zambian High Commission, was not from the Zambian High Commission that person when we called the actual Zambian High Commission number they confirmed that such a person did not work there. This was an intentional (laughs) spreading of falsehood if I can put it like that and we were caught out, we were exposed because we had someone who sounded official, who said all the right things who came from what we thought was a credible organization, saying something that they would know about, and we ran the story. And so that afternoon when I got in for my shift, I had the wonderful honor, the ignominious honor, of having to apologize. It was one of the worst 30 second uh, stories I had to read in my life, but we had to do it. Because when when you get something wrong, you have to apologize for it and you need to do it as soon as possible. So fake news, as Donald Trump likes to call it, is not a new thing. This has been happening for many, many decades. It used to be called propaganda. Now it's something else. It's being weaponized into what is colloquially being called fake news. And if you look at uh, at the problem as it stands at the moment, this is from First Draft News, by the way, which is an amazing organization if you want to check them out, um, doing some really great work around journalism as an institution. Um you've got three different quadrants. So in the, in the middle, well, let's, let's start on the left-hand side. You've got misinformation. That's false content, misleading content. So politicians making claims that they can't possibly back up. In the middle, you have disinformation, which is false context, perhaps. So the facts are there, but they're in the wrong context. Imposter content, manipulated content, and fabricated content. So, manipulated content, for instance, would be a photograph that's been doctored. There was the famous photograph of O.J. Simpson on the cover of Time that was doctored to make him look more sinister. It was his mugshot, and it was manipulated to the point where he looked sinister. If you look at the original mugshot, he just looked like an ordinary guy. he was just o j Simpson but that 's what I mean by manipulation and fabrication and on the other end of the spectrum is the intent to harm, and that 's malinformation. This is essentially what we were dealing with uh, when we killed off Levi Wanuasa, who by the way did pass away the next day unfortunately um, but uh was very much alive at the time that we broadcast the story. Um, So, malinformation. Some leaks. Leaks that are either false or don't contain the whole story are misleading because they're incomplete. Some harassment and some hate speech can be seen as malinformation. Those are the three types of information warfare that we need to protect against. This is, uh, I want to show you now, we're not gonna be able to watch the whole thing, but I want to show you the first two minutes of a documentary by BBC Africa Eye. I don't know if you're familiar with them at all, they are doing some great work on the continent. Uh, And this was an amazing, myth-busting, or no, fake news-busting piece of journalism um, about footage, and and the, the clip explains it, but just get an idea
2: of how they went through this. These women and children are being led to their deaths. The soldiers accuse them of belonging to the jihadist group Boko Haram. In the final scene of this video, graphic to show here. They are blindfolded, forced to the ground and shot at close range 22 times. One of the women still has the baby strapped to her back. The video began to circulate on July 10th, 2018. Some claimed that this atrocity took place in Mali. But others said it was filmed in the far north of Cameroon, where government soldiers have been fighting Boko Haram since 2014. The government of Cameroon initially dismissed the video as fake news. A month later, they announced that seven members of the military were under investigation. But there has still been no official admission that these killings were carried out on Cameroonian soil by government soldiers, and there is still no guarantee that anyone will be held to account. So how can we tell what really happened here? Over the next few minutes, we're going to follow these women and children on the short walk to the end of their lives, and to glean from this video the clues that tell us where this happened, when it happened, and who is responsible this atrocity. This looks like the kind of dusty anonymous track that could be anywhere in the Sahel. But the first 40 seconds of the film capture a mountain range with a distinctive profile We spent hours trying to match this range to the topography of northern Cameroon. And then, in late July, we received a tip-off from a Cameroonian source. Have you looked at the area near Zelevet? Close to the town of Zelevet, we found a match for the ridgeline. It places the scene on a dirt road just outside a village called Krauamafa. A few hundred meters away is the border with Nigeria. The video also reveals other details that can be matched precisely to what we see on the satellite imagery. This track, these buildings, and these trees. Putting all this evidence together, we can say with certainty that the killings took place here less than a kilometer away in Zelevet, we found this compound and identified it as a combat outpost used by the cameroonian military in their fight against boko haram
0: i'm going to stop it there
2: but please go and watch the rest of it
0: it's about another 10 minutes remaining it's called anatomy of a killing and it is some of the best Fake news-busting reporting I have seen in a very, very long time. It is incredible work. And it is the kind of work that we need to start doing as journalists. And we need to start fulfilling that mandate of being truth-seekers and truth-tellers. Now, more than ever before, we are facing such unprecedented challenges to our authority as a news dissemination vehicle that we really, this is the kind of journalism I believe that we need to be doing much, much more of now. Okay, rule eight, embrace technology. This is something that I feel very passionate about. The last three or four years, uh, since returning from a journalism fellowship to the United States, I have been focusing on the convergence of radio and digital and tech, uh, and I've been trying to get radio journalists to adopt more technology. I'm just going to run you through a few things. Unfortunately, we don't have time for any demos today. But I would strongly urge you, if you haven't heard of any of these apps and programs before, just check them out and see what they can do for you. We've got to make our lives as easy as possible. So, audio tools. I'm pretty sure we all know Audacity. Free, downloadable, easy to use. Twisted Wave, same thing. Does anyone know Audio Hijack? It's a brilliant tool. You can use it on your laptop or on your PC to record anything to anything. What do I mean by that? You can record Skype calls. You can record sound that's playing in the background. You can record telephone calls. Anything that is coming into a computer and potentially going out of its speakers, you can record. It's an amazing piece of software and it's really easy to use. GarageBand on iOS, highly underrated. GarageBand is an excellent editing tool and it's very intuitive. It's easy to use. AudioNote Pro, Another app that is available on your cell phone and on your tablet, the reason it's up here is because it does time coding for you. So as you're recording, it brings up a notes page and as you type your notes, it time codes them for you. So you can skip to a piece of information as quickly as you can read it, instead of having to scan through hours and hours and hours of tape. Ferrite is a relatively new um, uh, program that's, yeah, it's also an app. Uh, It's come out in the last year or so. Very, very powerful audio editing app. Unfortunately, it is paid for if you want to use anything but the most very basic of features. But it has all sorts of built-in sound effects. It has... Uh, tools that'll clean up your audio for you Uh, it has multi-track editing capacity it is it is a really fantastic audio program just press record it is what it says it is Uh, you can record from your mobile device uh, and and get some really really good quality sound out of this far more so for instance than a voice memo app uh, SoundSight, JS, is a really cool audio tool. Uh, JS, by the way, is um, the uh, Stanford Journalism Program, uh does a bunch of, prog- uh, does a bunch of uh, different tools, um, that I'll, and I'll talk through some of them later. But SoundSight is one that very simply allows you, if you're publishing to a website as well, to embed sound within your story. So uh, using a very, very simple interface, you highlight a piece of text, and if someone clicks on that piece of text, it plays the the sound bite that you've linked that to. It's really lovely in terms of reusing news audio. Uh, And the last one, my personal favorite at the moment, is Otter. Uh, Anyone who'd like to see it, by the way, I'm happy to demo it afterwards. But Otter is uh, one of the newest uh, apps on the market, and it's an auto transcription tool. And so as you're talking, it's transcribing. And you can see the script of what you're saying coming out. I'll show it to you afterwards if anyone's interested. It's amazing. Uh, and it's, it, the, the, the big issue with it at the moment, unfortunately, is that it doesn't always pick up uh, non-standard US and UK um, accents, but it's getting better all the time. All the time it's starting to pick up amazing stuff I've been trialing it with uh, with, a, with a group of journalists from all over Africa uh, and they are starting to see it actually learn what we're trying to put into it so Otto's is very very exciting for data visualizations you may say why are you telling me this I'm a radio journalist none of us are radio journalists anymore we are all journalists first and if you want to tell better stories, these are the kinds of tools that can help you. I talked about the JS suite earlier, and these tools are very easy to use. They are designed by journalists, for journalists. Interview JS, a very new one, basically allows you to build out your story into a chat messaging format, which is incredible. Um, super interactive, and you can upload you can embed it onto a website or you can uh, put it on social media you can upload it it 's really, really amazing. You can also send it as a standalone link to someone so it doesn 't necessarily need to be published somewhere and that 's true for for all of these Story uh is an interactive uh, data visualization uh, program that allows you to track movement from one area to another um, and tell multimedia stories over that. Um, timeline. JS. I'm sure you've, you've seen Timeline before. Uh, it's a very easy scrollable timeline with links to stories, again, multimedia. You can include sound, you can include videos, you can include images. Juxtapose, you load two photos. I don't know if you guys have seen this. So you load two photos next to one another with juxtapose and you have a slider. And if you have a before image and an after image, you can drag the slider across and see what Cape Town was like before the drought and what it was like after the drought. It's a really, really cool tool as well. And then ThingLink, just for a bit of fun, you can take a standard image and you can embed points on that image where, where you mouse over, a little story pops up. And they're all really, really cool and so simple to use and so easy to learn. There the, ah, so this is interview JS. Let's. Just, Take a moment actually to watch it and you'll see what what kind of things are possible with very, very little effort. really, really awesome tool. The mobile revolution underway in Africa and around the world at the moment means that this kind of storytelling format is becoming more and more crucial to us as journalists. Even if we work primarily in radio, you want to be able to reach other audiences. These tools are incredibly easy ways to do that. Lastly, infographics and images. On the left Uh, You can see an example of an infographic that I put together after the 2018 budget last year. Uh, It took me about three hours um, in terms of gathering the info that I wanted and then plotting it out. Uh, I recently did uh, some training up in Uganda in which journalists learned to do that kind of thing in one afternoon and they put together amazing pieces of visual journalism. So even if your main focus or your journalist's main focus is, um, is radio. This kind of thing is astonishingly easy to create. Canva is a wonderful, very simple program for creating uh, specifically social media image rich posts. OmniGraffle is quite a complex beast, but it is amazing in terms of data reporting. Uh, Picto chart. Also very similar, uh, very, very simple, uh, it's what I use to create the infographic that you can see there. Uh, and literally, if you know how to upload images, click, drag, and change font size, you can do this. Uh, and then Infogram, also quite a complex beast, but excellent in terms of graphs and visualizing complex data. So yeah, I would, I would heartily recommend that you check those out. Rule number nine, and I'm going to start moving quickly because I really want to leave a bit of time for questions. Plan for the unexpected. What do I mean by this? Have a plan. Always have a plan as a journalist, but crucially, be ready to throw it out the window. News changes so quickly that we cannot afford to stick rigidly to the ideas that we had. So earlier we spoke about fantasizing about our ideal story and coming up with this beautiful story. Do it, but know that you might have to jettison it entirely, either because the story has changed, the one that you were expecting to find is something else entirely, or because the news agenda has changed and your editor's gonna call you and say, sorry, time for you to go somewhere else. Teach yourself how to learn and actually this is a really important point. Teach yourself how to learn, become an instant expert. Meta-learning. The the idea of learning how to learn is huge at the moment. And if you learn how you learn, so if you know what it is that makes you remember things, it's going to make it so much easier for you to turn yourself into that instant expert on whatever story you're going to be covering. I know, for instance, that I need to write stuff down. Somehow, the act of physically writing something out is what crystallizes it in my mind. Other people just need to look at something. Other people need to come up with a clever song to remember things. Learn how you learn and apply that to your work. Be flexible. Your editors will thank you for it. I promise. Go with the flow. When the news agenda changes, roll with it. When they need an extra piece, roll with it. Make it happen. Don't plot out a story beforehand and expect it to stay that way. We've already covered that. By all means, plot out your story, but you have to be open to the idea that it's not going to be what you expect it to be. Ask ask unexpected questions to get unexpected answers. And this is something that feeds back into the discussion we were having earlier about interviews and how great interviews can break or make a story. And asking a witness on a scene, what did you see? It's all good and well, that's fine. Asking them, have you ever experienced anything like this before? That's unexpected. It's simple, but it's unexpected. So you want to think of ways of teasing out the story from the person that you're interviewing. When you find the unexpected, highlight it. Radio, again, is all about surprises. So make sure that when you find the unexpected, you highlight it. Because if, your person, if the person you're interviewing suddenly says, well, you know, actually I've, I've, I was on the scene of a similar incident three years ago. Like, what, what an amazing story that is. Suddenly, what you, the story you're telling becomes so much bigger. Keep surprising your audience using audio, using scripting, using the kinds of stories that you're telling. Ah, sorry, guys. Rule number 10. Think audio, not radio. There's been a lot of talk at this conference so far about podcasting. um, And it is absolutely something that we as radio journalists have the capacity to lead in. And that I don't think we're doing particularly well. Not in South Africa, certainly. Probably not across the continent we are perfectly positioned to take control of the podcasting market. So why could it change the game? Because it doesn't rely on entrenched distribution channels. It may sound like a threat, but it's not. It means that you can reach new audiences. It means that you are not limited to the geographic area in which you broadcast. You can spread your news far wider by putting it in, by just simply turning it into a podcast. It avoids traditional forms of censorship, which is an issue in many, many countries, specifically in Africa, but around the world. It breaks new ground and offers unique content. So whereas before, I had three and a half minutes for a radio news bulletin, there's no way that I could do a deep dive into how climate change is affecting farming in the free state, for instance. Podcasting opens that up, you can dive deep into topics that you would otherwise never be able to touch. It offers increased mobility. So podcasts come with you in your pocket wherever you are. You don't have to sit in your car listening to the end of the story that you were um, hearing on your drive home. It can come with you. Advertisers are growing increasingly interested. There are new revenue models. They are still very, very uh, nascent. They're very much in their beginning stages but there are new revenue models that are emerging for podcasting, uh, specifically of interest because ad revenue in uh, radios is on on the decline around the world, uh, and and the revenue model is failing. So we need to find new ways of doing this. This is one of them. Where are people listening? Short answer is on the move. 52% listen to podcasts while driving. This, by the way, is... um, from the uh, latest Edison report on podcasting, NPR and Edison. 52% of people listen to podcasts while driving. 46% listen while traveling. 40% listen while walking, running, or biking. 37% listen on public transport. 32% listen while working out. So it's in your pocket, on the move. And these are the other guys that are starting to change the game, smart speakers. Does anyone here have a smart speaker? One over there. Couple? Okay. So the smart speaker market is growing faster than the smartphone and tablet markets were... Oh, sorry, there's a spelling mistake. My bad. At a similar stage. What does this mean? When cell phones first came out, they grew at a slower rate than what smart speakers are doing at the moment. Think about that for a moment. The adoption rate is huge. In 2017 in the U.S., uh, if memory serves seven percent of households had smart speakers in them this year twenty one percent threefold that it's that it 's improved so this is an exploding market um, and one in ten adults in the u s is already using a smart speaker once a week so it 's an Amazon echo or an Amazon dot, uh, Google Home Assistant is another example. It's a little speaker uh, that sits on your countertop, and it's activated in the, ma- in the same way that Siri might be on a cell phone. Um, it's activated by voice. So you say, uh, for, for the Amazon Alexa, for instance, you say, hey, Alexa, the speaker wakes up, and you can say, what's in the news? And it'll play you the news Uh, the news from channels that you've specifically selected. You can also ask it to tell you a joke. You can tell it to play your music. You can do all sorts of things with it. It is the next gen. Um, For some, voice is now their only contact point with technology, i.e. they're not using their cell phones anymore. They are only speaking to devices. You can hook it up to your fridge and ask your fridge what's in it at the moment. You can hook it up to your cooking utensils and tell your oven when to start cooking. Voice could become a crucial gateway to media in the future. Why? Because people are gonna say, what's in the news? You want your news to be playing when they ask that question. Uh, But of course, they do still have a way to go in terms of functionality um, and adoption. Because we do have a problem. The top and most valued features on smart speakers? Playing music is number one, answering general questions, setting alarms. News news updates is down at number five. News is widely used, but it's not valued. So people use it regularly for news, but only 1% actually value the news that they're getting out of that speaker. So there is an enormous amount of work that we need to put in to get there. Rule number 11, last but very not least, but very definitely not least, think news and not audio. So we're thinking audio and not radio. Now we're thinking news and not audio. Why? Because everything is changing in terms of how people consume media. It's all about mobile now. The mobile revolution in Africa is startling. Of the next billion people coming online, most of them will do so in Africa. And so there are new audiences that we can snap up if we can only expand our definition of news. So, best if you think of a story you've done in the last year, or a story you've been involved in, or a story your organization has been involved in. How many platforms did it appear on? Maybe it was, well, it'd be on radio, right? Because we're all in radio. Maybe Twitter, Facebook. Anything else? No? Maybe the website, yes. Four platforms. Sounds like a lot, but it's nowhere near what it needs to be. Here is something called the story wheel. Bear in mind, I'm a journalist, not an animator, so I apologize for the animation. But basically, the story is this little bit in the middle. That's your key. It's the the axis on which everything turns. So your story is always in the center. But the different spokes of the wheel can be different platforms. The more spokes on the wheel, the stronger the wheel is going to be. So you want to add as many spokes as possible. Traditional radio, traditional video, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, maybe a listicle. Those are quite popular. Normal text, an infographic, maybe a graphic novel. We saw uh, in the last session a a lovely uh, example of of an animated graphic novel uh, from a news story. You can do a quiz. You can do a GIF. You can do a cartoon. All of those are different spokes. And different spokes for different folks. Always find which are the spokes that are going to work for you and make sure that you are doing as many as possible of them. Uh, So think about that story that you did that maybe appeared on four platforms and try and work out how you could have done it better. We're not going to have time time for the exercise, so I will leave you with this quote from Blaise Pascal in in 1657. It's one of my favorite quotes when it comes to radio news. I didn't have time to write a short letter, so I wrote a long one instead. (laughs) Something we always need to remember. Brevity is key, but it's a skill and it's a craft. It doesn't just happen. We are not dumbing down. We are making things clear and easy to understand, and we are using sound to create images to inform the radio that we are creating. So, just to recap very quickly, 11 rules. Build a chair you want to sit on. Play to your strengths. Be a hunter, not a gatherer. Just go, said in the voice of my editor always. Be a human, not the voice of God take content risks, check your facts, embrace tech, plan for the unexpected, think audio, not radio, and then think news, not audio. And with that, I will say thank you very much, and I don't know if we have any time for questions.
1: We are definitely out of time, but I think the thing that works in our favor is the fact that Track 3 is open for the last session. So I don't know if you perhaps want to ask two questions and then we can head off to the other tracks. Anybody has questions? Or you'll talk to a person. Please come through to the mic.
3: <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> um,
1: it's, a, it's actually a very strange question to ask. It's just that I noted that you're
0: very pro-technology in, in doing media. And I remember seeing a YouTube um, whatever feed thing, whether we're talking about how in the next few decades or whatever, they're going to incorporate all this technology on human beings because we'll want to be as smart as the technology that we're using. And I was thinking to myself, can you imagine a world where we are now the radio, like Camilla, Radio Camilla, and Camilla has all these digital things. Can you, how far do you think technology will affect us? Okay, so, so that's a huge question, and I don't think that I'm actually qualified to answer it, to be honest, in terms of how it's going to affect us. I can talk a little about how it's going to affect news. Uh, and I will use an example of this little thing sitting on my wrist. Smartwatch. I resisted for years getting one. It now lives on me, and it tells me when to stand, and it tells me when to eat, and it tells me how well I've slept. Um, but the, the, the reason I'm mentioning it is that it is, the one of the, for me, one of the first uh, good examples of an augmented human being. What do I mean by that? I can just look at it and if I've configured it properly, it'll give me the news. What does it mean for news, though? How do we tailor our message to suit such a tiny screen? And there are people doing lots of extended thinking about this. Uh, Bizarrely, the, the, the real thing with tiny screens like this is that you have to think very carefully about your typography, the font that you use. Humans can read nine words a second. So flashcard type uh, news, we're coming, uh, coming to you one or two words at a time, works in this kind of scenario. So we need to be very cognizant as journalists of how this is going to affect our lives, um, because it's gonna help us, but it's also gonna make life more difficult. Um, and it's gonna mean that we need to change the way that we think about things. AI is something that journalists in general are very scared of, Um, and it is scary, but artificial intelligence is already making news better in many, many ways. It's automating processes that used to have to be done by hand. It's allowing us to process amounts of data that we could never have contemplated five years ago, even. And it is allowing us to spot new stories that we would never have been able to unsurface simply as human beings. Uh, if we have like a minute, I'll tell you very quickly, you know, that look tells me you don't. Um, <laughs> uh, we, we, uh, uh, I went together with a team of a developer um, and uh, a designer to a competition run by the Global Editors Network, uh, two years ago. And the theme was fake news, and we ended up building an AI that can, we think, detect fake news. So we fed in 7,500 real news articles, and we fed in 7,500 fake news articles. And behind the scenes, scenes, the uh, developer Wiz built an AI that went through these and noted discrepancies and similarities and started to be able to predict when we highlighted a piece of text whether it was real or fake. The secret is, we don't know how it does it. AI is very much a a black box in many ways. So we don't know how the AI or this, this artificial intelligence is coming up with these things, but it's right most of the time. That's just an example.
1: Well, we can... <laughs> oh, no, no. Just no. one last
2: question. <laughs> okay. Um so I come from a community and campus uh newsroom and a lot of the stuff that you, you know, brought up are things that we're not necessarily trained. And of course that's where we get fed into when you end up going either into the public or sort of the commercial space as a radio or well, as a journalist. And How do we then, I think it's not a matter of how do we then unlearn these things, I guess it's a matter of how do we start introducing this type of, you know, um, reporting or sort of, you know, um, different ideas and innovation in journalism and in newsrooms from a community and campus level?
0: So I can tell you that it's not only at a community and campus level, first of all, I've had my own battles trying to introduce new ways of doing things in newsrooms, and I know that many of my colleagues have struggled with the same. Um, The short answer, I suppose, is that if this is something you believe in and something that you're passionate about, uh, you need to become a flag bearer. You need to become a champion for it. That's what I tried to be Uh, when I first started realizing what a wonderful, wide, open world this is. It's something that I still try to be. Uh, there is so much more out there, and we're so often bogged down by the day-to-day copy-and-paste, fill-in-the-blank style journalism that we're not taking a moment to step back and look at our craft and how we can make it better and how we can make it sing. And the only way that that changes is by people becoming flag bearers. And by championing that cause and finding people who feel
2: as passionately and bringing them in to come and talk to you, they're there.